In fact, he was a very prominent religious leader of his day. He was someone who knew well God's word and was able to see that there was something special about Jesus. He very specifically says, we believe that you are a man sent by God. Nevertheless, there was still something wrong with Nicodemus' understanding of God's word because even though he saw Jesus being sent by God, he couldn't quite see him as the Messiah. He couldn't quite see him as the Savior that he was expecting. And that wasn't because there was something wrong with Jesus. It was because there was something wrong with Nicodemus' understanding of the Bible. Nicodemus would have been one of these guys that, uh, certainly not in any way to doubt his piety, but he would have been one of these guys that would have been able to always say, been there, done that, heard that, have the scrolls. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Anytime scripture had been read in the synagogue, he would have been like, yep, yep, know that one, heard that one, may even have that one memorized. He would think he's, he, he, he's seen it all, he's heard it all, he's been taught it all. And yet here is Jesus, this enigma with him. And so he comes to him saying, there, we know there's something different about you. You've been, you've been sent by God, but, but explain it to us. What is this all about? And Jesus wants him to know that he is the Messiah. He is the Savior come for his people. And so Jesus decides to give an example from the scriptures that he would have known so well from the Old Testament a passage that in fact pointed forward to him to help him, that is, help Nicodemus understand who Jesus was. And so he quotes this story, reminds him rather of the story in Numbers 21. So in order to understand what Jesus is teaching to Nicodemus here, we need to understand the story of Numbers 21. And if we were to turn there, we would see that the people of Israel had been wandering in the wilderness. They're struggling to trust God and His provision and protection for them. They begin to, to sinfully grumble and complain. And it's in verse 4 that we read from Mount Hor, the Israelite people set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no food and water, and we loathe this worthless food. This worthless food was that which God was miraculously dropping on them every morning to make sure that they were well fed and nourished. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. That's a story from Numbers 21. And so as Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, he says, you want to understand who I am, Nicodemus? You want to understand what the Messiah is to be like? And then he says in verse 14 of John chapter 3, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And although Nicodemus may never have thought of that passage as pointing to the Messiah, Jesus says, the scriptures tell of me. All of the scriptures point forward to me. And so under the direction of Jesus tonight, we want to meditate on these verses and on that passage from Numbers 21 and think about the cross. We want to see how it came as a greater fulfillment of the redemption that God worked for the people of Israel in the wilderness. So we want to see a couple of things. First, we want to see that Jesus is lifted up as the source of our salvation. On this Good Friday at the cross, Jesus is lifted up as the source of our salvation. Many people like Jesus today. 
Many people uh, actually think Jesus is cool. You see him in cartoons. You see him in movies. You see the little buddy Jesus statues people have on their cars. And there's, there's something that is, is uh, appealing to him. You even find some celebrities walking around with t-shirts that say, Jesus is my homeboy, as they're walking around coming out of a party with a reefer in their hand and a bottle of beer in the other. And you just kind of scratch your head and say, what is that all about? Well, what that all is about is the fact that though they think Jesus is cool, they don't really know Jesus. That's why they think he's cool. They assume he's some Gandhi type or of the same mold as Martin Luther King Jr. They may have heard him have said, love your neighbor as yourself. They say, that's cool. I like that idea. You know, peace and love. So, so we like Jesus. But you have to understand that the, the Bible presents Jesus as more than just that. More than just some good, moral teacher who taught everyone to love people. From this very text, Jesus himself says, you can't just say, I'm cool, that you like me. That, that, that you, you like the, the, the message of love and peace that I have because I was so much more than that. I was so much more than that. He says, I came to be a savior. I came to bring salvation to sinners. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. In Numbers 21, the serpent was held up as the source of the people's salvation. Likewise, on the cross, Jesus is saying he would be held up as the means of his people's salvation. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus said, everything in his life and ministry was working towards this one aim, the accomplishment of God's will to provide salvation for sinners, that he would become the source of our salvation. And specifically, we see that through the cross, Jesus is lifted up as a curse for God's people. This is the same thing they want to see. Jesus could be the source of the salvation for God's people because he is lifted up as a curse for God's people. Now, as you read Jesus saying this, if you know, if you know the story, there should be a shock element to this because Jesus is saying, compare me with the serpent. Now, if you've been in Christianity for any length of time, you know serpents generally are not good things. I mean, in fact, if not all, virtually all of the, the accounts of serpents, the illusions, the metaphors, everything is bad. The serpent is a cursed being. It's a cursed animal because all the way back in the garden, Satan used the serpent to deceive Adam and Eve. And so ever since, it has been a, a cursed animal. In Numbers 21, it's the serpents that are sent by God among the people to kill them. The snakes came as a means of God's judgment on his, on his people for their sin. And even in holding up a bronze serpent for people to look at, Moses was holding up a reminder of God's curse upon them. And Jesus says, remember that bronze serpent? Remember that reminder of the curse? That's me. That's me. As Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. When Christ is lifted up on the cross, He is a reminder of the curse that stands on us all. If there was not a curse on us because of our sin, there would be no cross. Nevertheless, we stand in rebellion against God, and so there must be a cross. But He's not just a reminder. By being lifted up like the bronze serpent, Christ became the very embodiment of the curse that hangs upon us. In Galatians 3, Paul says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. By becoming the very embodiment of our curse for sin, Christ took upon himself our curse. He took our place and became the object of God's wrath against sin. 
That is how he became the source of our salvation, by becoming a curse for us. And yet that salvation from sin's curse does not come to all. Because Jesus teaches us here that he is lifted up as the object of faith. Jesus is lifted up as the object of our faith. This is the third thing we need to see here. Remember in Numbers 21, not all Israel was saved from the judgment God sent to the serpents. In fact, from the very beginning it says that many in Israel died as a result of that. And I don't think, I don't think we should read that as, well, they didn't get the cure in time. I don't, I don't think it happened that way. Verse 8 says, The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. I think everyone had the opportunity to look up at that bronze serpent and to trust that the Lord would kill them. You see, it wasn't just, there, there was no power in the bronze serpent. That's all that it was. It was a piece of bronze twisted to look like a snake. I doubt they even took the time to carve in the scales and the eyes and the little tongue. It was probably pretty primitive. What was implicit in looking to the bronze serpent was faith in the promise that God had given. Look at this and I will heal you. And if you tonight go home on the computer and just do a Google, a Google search for Moses and snake or Moses and serpent and click on the image search, you'll find all kinds of paintings from contemporary to classic Renaissance painters picturing this thing. And invariably what I think they get right is Moses sometimes holding a big pole that looks amazingly a lot like a cross. Sometimes he's pointing to a pole that's up with the bronze serpent on it. And what you see are some people with serpents literally hanging off their bodies, looking, clearly receiving the healing that God has promised. And there are others that refuse to look. And they have their backs turned. And they're, they're turned away from the bronze serpent. They refused to believe that God would heal him. In their sinfulness, perhaps in their anger, in their bitterness, they refused to turn and look to God through the bronze serpent. And likewise, Jesus is saying, I am held up and I secure salvation for God's people, but it doesn't just come across the board. I must be lifted up so that men and women and children everywhere may believe in me. And in believing in me, they receive the salvation that I secured on the cross. And just as the serpent had bitten each and every Israelite then, but only those who looked on the serpent lifted up by Moses' staff could be cured, so now also everyone that is born is born as a sinner under God's curse. And yet only those who would look to the cross of Christ in faith will be saved from their sins. Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. The sad truth is, we, we want to look at everything but Christ today for salvation. There's the multiplicity of religions that we could talk about. But very often in this country, it's not so much the various religions, it's all of the, the non-religious things that even religious people look to for salvation. We look to politics. If we could just get the right leaders in office, things will be better. Things will be better. We look to education. If people would just know more, if we could just teach people more, things would get better. We look to science. If we could just do the right research, if we can just manipulate the right genetic material, things will get better for us. Things will get better. Our favorite, though, is money. If I just had a little bit more money, things would be a lot better for my life. A lot better. But in looking at so many other things as the fix for our problem, we fail to see the real problem. 
The real problem is the world is under condemnation for sin. And though God offers salvation from the curse of sin, we must turn and look to the one that he says he will be held up for all to see that they might believe. It is only in trusting the promise that God gives us in Christ that all who will call upon his name shall be saved, that we will be saved. And Jesus says, if we look to him as the Savior, if we look to him just as the Israelites look to the bronze serpent, we will receive eternal life. And this is the last thing that we want to see from our text tonight. Jesus is lifted up to provide eternal life. Jesus is lifted up to provide eternal life. Jesus said, the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Both the natural consequence and the supernatural consequence of living in a world corrupted by sin is death. And we see that most most obviously by the fact that evil happens, both moral and natural evil. People are murdered and they die from cancer. People die from crime and natural disaster. We see both effects happening, but, but worse than just physical death in this world. When we live and die in our sins, we also get what we deserve, spiritual death. You see, if in this life we rebel against God in our sins and we walk away from Him and we say, God, I don't need you. God, I don't want you. God, I don't want anything to do with you in my life right now. I just want to be my own man. I just want to be my own woman. I want to do my own thing. Then we die. And you know what God says? If that's what you really want, then that's what I'll give you. And He sends us out of His presence forever. Spiritual death forever in hell. God gives us exactly what we deserve, death, And what we always craved in this life, separation from Him. We go to a place where there is no mercy, there is no grace, no love, no second chance. There's only pain, misery, sorrow, and death forever. But Jesus says, whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. Eternal life. Eternal life means life with God. It means life apart from the curse of sin. It means life as God's children, living in the fullness of His grace and mercy and love. It means life lived in the fullness of joy that comes from being in right relationship with God forever. Eternal life is the opposite of everything it means to live in sin. And Jesus says we only need to look to the cross and believe. We only need to look to the cross and believe. Believe that Christ suffered the judgment that we deserve, that we might go free. Believe that He died, that we might that we might live. Believe that He was cut off, that we might be brought near to God. Believe that just as all those Israelites who looked to the bronze serpent lived, so if we look to Christ, we will live. Tonight, as we think of Christ dying on the cross this day, almost 2,000 years ago, remember Christ's words to Nicodemus. Remember that he was lifted up like a serpent in the wilderness. Remember that Jesus, in the place of the snake, was lifted up to be the source of our salvation, to be a curse for God's people, in order to be the object of our faith that we might receive eternal life. Let's pray. Father, it's so hard for us to imagine the the transaction that took place on the cross whereby all of your wrath that should have fell to us fell on Christ in our place. 
Uh, Father, the death of him. Though both God and man still just one person, the salvation might be won for all your people. The final perfect atonement was made. And yet, Father, it is in that mysterious exchange that we place our faith. Father, we trust that when you say, all those who believe in Christ shall be saved, Father, we believe. We believe. We stand back and we marvel at your grace and your mercy to us. Father, we feel the depth of your love for us, knowing that we don't deserve it, and yet we still believe. Father, I pray tonight that if there is anyone, if there is anyone here that does not believe, Father, having heard the gospel, having heard Christ lifted up, that, Father, you would draw them to yourself. And Father, they would see that salvation does not come by anything other than Christ. It does not come by anything they do. It is simply a rescue from our sins that comes by your gracious and merciful hand when we trust in Christ to be our Savior and follow Him as Lord. Father, bring salvation to them tonight. And Father, for those of us that know it, help us to rejoice in it. Father, as today is often a, a day of sobriety as we realize that it was because of our sins that Christ had to go to the cross. I pray, God, that you would also help us to be mindful of the Sunday that is coming. The final victory that was evident to all then and is still evident to us by faith. The victory of His resurrection. Father, we pray all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.